energy. We walked around for 35 minutes just in the parking lot looking for this car. The passion. UVM schedules the way they do to get as high a seed as possible in the NCAA tournament and to get as much tournament prep as they can because they're not going to get it from their league. The opinions on all your favorite teams. The organization should be taking care of Matt rather than Matt taking care of the organization. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEB AM, FM, and WDEBradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show here on a Friday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Short show today. We're up until about 6.07, but really, we're on until 6, and we come back briefly after the 6 o'clock news update to give you the Red Sox lineups as they start their series with the Blue Jays, their final series with the Jays for the year. Phil Perry of NBC Sports Boston, Football Talk Friday with Phil Perry. Going to come up here in about 15 minutes. He'll give us all he knows on Mac Jones as the Patriots get ready for the Packers. You can get in, as always, on the Napa-Morrisville-Napa-Waterbury text line, 802-585-3026. That's your locally owned Napa stores in Waterbury and Morrisville. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And here we go. Really do appreciate everybody who listened to Vermont Viewpoint this morning, by the way. Fun for me to host something different, and uh, we got a little sports. And Todd Woodcroft was awesome. UVM men's hockey coach was great. Stories he told, we had a chance to go longer with him than we usually do here and, and learn about his life and career. So uh, that was great. I, we put that interview alone up on our podcast channel. I encourage you to go listen to it. But our opening thoughts are brought to you by Sticks and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center with locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber. They're online at sticksandstuff.com. Look, I'm going to leave most of the Mac Jones stuff for Phil. When Phil calls in, we'll talk mostly about Mac Jones. But Mac was out on the practice field today. There's your Mac Jones update. He was physically standing on the practice field today. He did not do much, but he was out there. That is a good sign. But if you go and watch the video, and they're circulating all over social media, you'll see that Mac didn't really do anything at practice. He stood. He hobbled as he walked. He threw passes from a stationary position. It was nice to see him out there. It makes you feel more optimistic by seeing him on a field, but I am still operating under the assumption that Brian Hoyer will play as the starting quarterback on Sunday and that Brian Hoyer should play as the starting quarterback on Sunday. As I said yesterday, Mac Jones playing would be the height of stupidity. It's both stupid and it is dangerous. You watch that video, Mac could barely move. He's a sitting duck. I have no faith that he could slide up in the pocket. I have no faith he could evade and avoid a rush. And I have no faith that he could fully escape offensive or defensive linemen that might be falling all around him. Make no mistake, he is putting his ankle and his health and his season in jeopardy if he plays. And as far as I'm concerned, the team allowing it would be horrific mismanagement. I hope this is all just a gamesmanship ploy and the team isn't seriously considering this. I also have no faith that Mac Jones can plant that ankle and really get his body into a throw. Like, I mean, it's one thing to stand out there, but can you actually get your body into the throw? I would highly doubt that. So what? If Mac Jones plays, guess where we'd be? 
You'd have a game plan where he's forced to get the ball out early, forced to hand off a bunch. Guess what you have at that point? You have Brian Hoyer. Like, you have Brian Hoyer at that point. If the game plan is get it out quickly, run the football, let guys make plays after the catch, Brian Hoyer can do that just as well as Mac Jones can. So, from a health standpoint, Mac shouldn't play. From a competitive standpoint, he shouldn't play. I think the Patriots are better off in this game with Brian Hoyer, better than 40% of Mac. And another thing I mentioned yesterday, Albert Breer of NBC Sports Boston, he mentioned late last night. Hey, this is a player who is very cognizant the way all of Alabama, all Alabama players are of the long-term effects of things, that he is a corporation unto himself as a pro athlete. That's number one. Number two, I don't know if it's in the team's best interest either that he rushes back, because if he rushes back, this is an injury, like Amina said, that you can re-aggravate, that can linger, that could turn him into a sitting duck for the rest of the year if he rushes back. So, so Breer is confirming everything that I just said today and everything I said yesterday, right? He confirms my medical fears that you can make this worse, you can re-aggravate it. He says it's not great for the team. And he also mentions what I said yesterday, too, that Mac is a brand all onto himself. And I don't want to get this twisted. I do not want Mac Jones making decisions and operating from a place of selfishness. I don't want him caring more about the brand of Mac than about the brand of the Patriots, more than about his teammates. But it's not in his personal best interest to play under these circumstances either, right? We mentioned it yesterday. Grant Hill, Isaiah Thomas. Baker Mayfield, all these guys that played for the team and ended up doing real damage to themselves physically and ultimately earnings-wise. So Mac Jones playing on Sunday is not good for anybody. We will talk about all this with Phil Perry. We'll do that in just a couple of minutes. But if Mac plays, I have absolutely no faith that he'd play well, and I'd be legitimately worried about him. Brian Hoyer is the correct choice. 100% of Mac is better than 100% of Hoyer. 100% 100% of Hoyer is better than what I saw out of Mac standing on that practice field. All right, let's talk about game plan now. I'm changing my tune on this. Earlier in the week, we talked to Bob Sosi. Earlier in the week, I kind of thought conventional knowledge was Patriots should play conservative. If Brian Hoyer's quarterback, the Patriots should play conservative. They should run the ball. They should kill the clock. They should hold on to it and turn it into a slog. That's what I thought three days ago. I no longer think that. I'm going to say something nutty, but I want you to follow the logic. I think the Patriots should at least come out very aggressive on Sunday. Very aggressive. Everybody wants and expects them to play conservative. I want them to come out very, very aggressive. Look, the Patriots are nine and a half point underdogs at last check. They're massive underdogs with Brian Hoyer playing. I know your thought process, play conservative, do your best to keep it close, try to limit turnovers. I don't think the Patriots can hold down Aaron Rodgers enough to win like that. I just just don't see it. Like against Mitch Trubisky, that could work, right? You come out, you play it close to the vest, you trust your defense, you force them into punt, you you get a three and out yourself, and eventually the game just ends and you've won it 10-7. Against Mitch Trubisky, against Geno Smith, that could work. But with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, they're eventually going to break through. So if you want to play this back-and-forth, three-and-out fest, they're going to score. And they're going to eventually win it 24-10. to 10. Like, yes, you've kept it close, but you've ultimately still lost by two touchdowns. I think the only chance the Patriots have here is to go for broke. 
Now, that doesn't mean play stupid and play reckless, but you've got to take some chances here. You've got to take some chances. You cannot be too careful, at least at the start. Come out aggressive. Try to make plays early. That gives yourself a chance to get some points early. That gives your guys a chance to get confidence in Brian Hoyer. And that gives the other team, that gives the Packers, a shred of doubt as about to what's going on here. They, they know they're playing against lesser quarterback. They think that you're going to come in and roll over. Well, if you come out and take it to them early and hit them in the mouth, you've got the element of surprise on your side. That is the best way for the Patriots to win this game. And by the way, if you start aggressive and with the pass, then maybe the run opens up for you as you go on. The pack, the Patriots cannot beat the Packers 38-35, right? They can't get into a track meet with this team. But with Brian Hoyer, can you come out, be aggressive, a little bit of shock and awe, and get up 10-0? Because if you get up 10-0, then you can pull the air out of the ball. Then you can sit on time of possession. Then you can try to run out the clock like you did those final six minutes against Pittsburgh. Can you get up 10-0? Can you get up 14-3? If you can do that, then you can play keep away. But coming out there and just, hey, we'll just kind of rope a dope and we'll hope it's 0-0 after the first and then we'll hope it's 10-7 at the half and then we'll hope that we're in it with six minutes left in the game. I just don't think it's going to happen. Right? I don't think it's going to happen. Aaron Rodgers is too good. Those running backs are too good to let that happen. Like Eventually, if you just try to keep it close, you're going to end up in a position where it doesn't seem that close at the end. Look, like go, back to, go, go back to that game in 2020. Patriots-Chiefs, right? The last time Brian Hoyer started. Patrick Mahomes, good team, right? Chiefs are great. They went on to win the Super Bowl that year. Uh, no, they didn't. They lost to the Bucs. They had won the Super Bowl the year before against the 49ers. So they try to play close to the vest, right? Well, the Chiefs were up 6-3 to three at half. You accomplished your job. And the final score ended up 26-10. to 10. That is eventually what happens. The better team with the Hall of Fame quarterback eventually wears you down and breaks through. If the Pats want to play it close to the vest, that exact same kind of game is possible on Sunday. But that's still a 16-point loss. If you want to actually win this game, if you want to win it, you've got to take chances. you got to get up 10-0. you got to get up 13-0. you got to get up 17-6. And then you can pull the pin out. And I get it. You're taking a risk. You're taking a risk. I already, you, We already think... The Patriots are going to lose, right? Everybody thinks the Patriots are going to lose. So if you come out and play it that way and lose 26 to 10, okay. If you play it my way, you play aggressive, and you go three and out, you throw a pick, I get it. You could lose big. I understand that. You could. You could get embarrassed. But at the end of the day, if you lose 41 to 7 versus 26 to 10, is there really a big difference? I don't think there is. If you want to win this football game, I think the only way to do it is to do exactly what I'm saying. You don't have to be crazy once you get the lead. But if you get the lead, then you create confidence for yourself, you create issues for them, and you just have the lead in its own right. It is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. It is not just... Mac Jones. There's other Patriots injuries to be concerned about. Lawrence Guy, it doesn't look particularly good for his shoulder. We got 
you know, some stuff on Jacoby Myers. He says he feels better. Kyle Duggar. We're going to ask Phil all that stuff here momentarily and uh, see what he knows. Phil's been out of practice. I also want to ask Phil about the Bill Belichick press conferences because, you know, I railed against those the other day also and how the uh, Patriots or, or how the Pats head coach, his shtick, was growing old with me. So uh, we'll get Phil momentarily here. Um Again, before we do that, Red Sox baseball tonight, 6.07 is the pregame show, 7.07 is the first pitch. It's uh, Nick Pavetta against Alec Manoa. I'm fascinated to see how the whole vaccination thing works out, by the way, in Canada, because tomorrow is when the Canadian government lifts the vaccine requirements. Well, tomorrow is not today. So the Red Sox have at least one or two players that are not vaccinated, so they can't be in Toronto today, but I believe they could be in Toronto tomorrow. So what exactly does Alex Cora and company do as far as the roster for this weekend? But uh, we'll get to the lineup here again in about uh, about 20 minutes or so. So, all right, right now, let's kick it off with Phil Perry. Our Fridays with Phil Perry, our Patriots insider over at NBC Sports Boston. Before Phil comes on the phone, let's get our Phil Perry music. It's another football Friday and another look at your New England Patriots. And I will put it at the feet of Mac Jones. I mean, you get, you get the credit when everything's going well. First third down of the game, first drive of the game, you throw it right to the other team. Seven points going the other way. With all the info from Patriots Place, it's Pat's insider, Phil Perry. No, it's not that I think less of him. I think the fact that I am high on him leads to the honest criticism of him. I know he's better than the way he's played. On the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Yeah, it is one of my favorite times of the week. Patriots insider Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston, standing by with us. The NBC Sports Boston crew does a great job covering the Patriots. Phil is one of them. You can check him out all week long, right? They've got a breakdown with Ted Johnson. Phil is the host, the co-host of the Patriots Talk podcast with Tom Curran. He's also the head, the uh, podcast host of the Next Pats podcast and a part of the NBC Sports Boston pre- and post-game shows as well. Phil, another Friday. Thanks so much for being with us as you are every single week at this time. Sunday's game is 425. Patriots 1-2. and two, Packers 2-1. and one. Welcome into the show. Phil Perry. Phil, how are you? I'm doing all right, Brady. It's ankle watch season, my friend. Yeah, ankle watch season for sure for you and your compatriots there in uh, Patriots media. Look, Mac was out at the practice field today. It looks more optimistic, I guess, than I thought. I still think it would be the height of stupidity for him to play, both for the team and for himself. What's your read on all this? Yeah, well, first, I would say it didn't look like he was doing a whole lot of moving at practice. And so I'm not sure anyone should feel any better about him being able to play Sunday based on the fact that he was at practice today. Uh, That being said, I think the fact that he was at practice in the first place is another indication, you know, add it to the list of, you know, Bill Belichick's last two press conferences. Another indication that this injury might not be as severe as initially reported. And I would just say this, Brady, my understanding on how Mac Jones's week has gone is that he has been involved. He's been at the facility. He's been involved as the team has been preparing for this game against the Packers. He's been out on the field with his teammates on multiple different occasions before today's practice. And so he has not been a participant in practices. uh, But on Thursday, for instance, or excuse me, on, yes, Thursday, he poked his head out of the facility. He was not 
seen at the start of practice, but he did eventually make his way out to the field, threw a few balls off to the side. He was a spectator, but that's kind of how it's gone for him. And uh, he hasn't been in a boot as far as I understand, but he was wearing one of those compression sleeves on his leg Thursday. He was not wearing one of those at Friday's practice. He just had his ankle taped. Um, and again, I, I would just say, having spoken to an orthopedic surgeon who specializes in foot and ankle surgeries for our next Pats podcast, um, basically what he told us is, you know, there are grades to these sprains, these high ankle sprains, and you have three ligaments there that are essentially keeping the two bones in your ankle, uh, together. And you can damage one of those. You can damage two. You could damage all three. There's a fourth membrane that gets involved. You could even damage that. That's the most severe if you're doing damage to all four of those. But there are high ankle sprains where maybe you only do damage to one ligament. And it's pretty apparent that that's the case on imaging. And maybe you can get back on the field and get back to play because the ankle is supported well enough by the other remaining ligaments that you're not going to do much further damage to yourself. Uh, without getting any type of surgical procedure done or anything. So uh, that's that's what I think today might be telling us is that, not that I know the specifics of his injury, but just that this might not be the most severe kind of high ankle sprain. If it was, and it was pretty clear he was going to miss a lot of time, uh, number one, I think he would be getting a surgical procedure done. And number two, I don't think we would see him out there today. If Mac were to play on Sunday, I think it's pretty obvious the game plan would be the following. Run the ball a lot, get the ball out of his hands quickly, throw short so that he doesn't have to go on deep drops. And when you do all that, what do you have? You have Brian Hoyer as a quarterback. So that's why it just seems to me like why this is obvious that Hoyer should be playing. Yeah, it's a good point. And if he can't throw, if he can't go through his mechanics the way that he's used to because of this injury, maybe have something even less than Brian Hoyer, right? Yeah. So that to me is where you would look at this and say, what's the point of, of getting him out there if if that's going to be the case? And it, again, it, based on what we could see at practice, it looked like he was pretty limited in terms of his ability to move around. So I'm with you, though, that, you know, I think for the Packers, it's not necessarily a drastic difference in game plan if Mac Jones is out there versus Brian Hoyer. I am interested to see, though, how this Patriots coaching staff reacts if and when Brian Hoyer plays, because if you're going to ask him to do some of the same things you've asked Mac Jones to do over the course of the first three weeks of the season, that is a mistake. If you're asking Brian Hoyer to be the down the field, accurate, big time throw type of passer that Mac Jones has been at times, and we know the turnover numbers are what they are, but how many high level difficulty accurate down the field throws did Mac Jones have to make in that game last week, Brady, for the Patriots to score points. I mean, I I would say he had five, six, somewhere in that range. I'm not sure how many of those Brian Hoyer makes. And so if the coaching staff asks Hoyer to do the same thing, that to me is going about it all wrong. To me, the game plan does have to change. You can't treat these guys the same. Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston, with us here on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. I'm actually going to push back because I, I am going to go the other way. I actually think the Patriots at least need to come out very aggressive. And the reason why I say that is because 
if they played ball control and we'll just play time of possession and, and try to get into a punt fest and eventually win it 10 to seven, I don't think that would work against Aaron Rodgers. Like eventually the defense is going to break if Aaron gets more possessions and you might keep it close and ultimately lose 24 to 10, but that's not what you're in this for. I think if you come out aggressive and look, maybe it's element of surprise, shock and awe, whatever established confidence. But if you can get up 10 nothing or 14-3, then maybe you can sit on the ball. But I think that's your only chance is to try to come out and be aggressive early and establish some momentum. Because I just I don't think you can do against him what you did against Mitch Trubisky. You can try. It's risky though. Yes, you can lose 40 to nothing. I know that, but I think it's the only way you can win. Well, and you know, I think if you're Bill Belichick and he believes that he can because it's his program and his brain against everyone else, you know, he can win on the margins in a tighter game. I, I think he'll feel as though they have a better chance than if they run that risk that you describe. And I agree with you. If you can get out to a lead and sit on it, that's your best chance. But if in doing that, you are putting the ball in the air and you're opening yourselves up to a couple of three and outs and now maybe you are giving the Packers more possessions. I mean, there's no doubt in anybody's mind who who wins in a, you know, a quote unquote shootout between the Patriots and the Aaron Rodgers led Packers this week. So that that to me would be the concern if it doesn't go well. And that's how these coaches, you know, rightly or wrongly think about these things at times is, well, what's the worst case scenario? If we take the Brady Farkas approach, what's the worst case scenario? Well, worst case scenario is you have two consecutive three and outs because you're trying to air it out with a backup quarterback. And all of a sudden you're down 14, nothing with a quarterback who has no shot of playing from behind in that way and creating the explosive plays that you would need to make a comeback like that. I don't think Brian Hoyer's arm is bad, Brady. I think it's fine. It, it, it might be right there with Mac Jones's in terms of its strength. I just don't think, expecting him to be accurate down the field and consistently creating those kinds of plays is the right way to go about it. They should be running the ball. This is a Packers defense that's been pretty generous on the ground. I think part of that is by design. They play a lot of too high safety coverages, so they allow you to run the ball. And listen, whatever they're doing on that side of the ball, it's been working because I think they're allowing 15 points per game on average. So credit to them, but if you're the Patriots and you've shown the last couple of weeks that you can run the ball, run it effectively, and you have these two backs that you love, let them do the work this week. And if occasionally you want to take a shot with Brian Hoyer off play action, then go ahead and do that. But I think this this should be a slugfest kind of approach to at least start this game. Defensively, you outlined it pretty clearly on NBC Sports Boston earlier this week. You don't think the Patriots should blitz. It's something we saw the Patriots do a lot of to Lamar Jackson last week and got shredded, so I tend to agree with you. But why is Aaron Rodgers so lethal against the blitz? Well, he just always knows where it's coming from. You're never going to surprise him. And so they have the ability in their offense and different offenses do it differently, but to be able to hit you where you ain't. And so some teams, and this is what the Patriots did, early in the season, you know, they'll see whether it's an all-out blitz or something slightly less than, they'll just bring in some of your quote-unquote weapons to add to the protection, max protect, and they'll run two-man routes and they'll try to beat you that way because that, in some ways, is the simplest way to handle those blitzes. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to do that. You can blitz, essentially take a defender out of the equation, and he can process that before the snap, process it quickly enough after the snap, find the opening and hit the open guy. Now, 
one reason where you might be willing to try to blitz occasionally, and again, teams really haven't done this through three weeks this season because they fear him with the blitz. To be able to attack it the way that he wants to attack it, you do have to have receivers who are on the same page as the quarterback, and I'm not sure he has a lot of those right now. There's a lot of youth in that receiver room. Alan Lazard is still there. Randall Cobb is back. But between Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, you know, these are guys that you would have to be putting a lot of faith in if you're Aaron Rodgers to be able to run hot, quote unquote, the way he's expecting them to and have a lot of success. So I'm not saying they'll never blitz him. That'll always be part of the Patriots' identity defensively. Heck, they're still a man-to-man defense this year, Brady. I never thought we'd say that about the 2022 Patriots, but they're right up there near the top of the league in terms of man-to-man percentage. Uh, but I think they'll just try to man up, lock down these receiving, you know, this receiving core that is missing Devontae Adams and has not been all that explosive, and force Aaron Rodgers to beat them with very long drives. He is the shortest thrower on average in football this year, which surprised me. He's less, he's less than six yards mm. per attempt through the air through three games this season. You know, I complained about this on your behalf, the media's behalf the other day. What do you make of the Belichick press conference shtick from the other day, the day-by-day stuff? I get it. And when you're winning Super Bowls, I, I, I fine. But when you're 18 and 19 without Tom Brady, I find it a little less cute. Am I just being crotchety <laughs> for no reason? Or, uh, you know, is this, is this something that aggravates those in the room? I've come to accept that we're going to have days like that on the beat. Brady, it's been a long time, you know, that we've had those sorts of experiences. And so it really doesn't bother me. I never take it personally. I thought on Friday he actually was much more open and actually sort of explained his day by day commentary. And I really do think he believes that there's enough leeway with some of these injuries that he doesn't want to give you anything. At the same time, the doctors and the medical staff, they are certainly telling him something more definitive than day by day. So mm-hmm. I understand it. Listen, you know, we're there for the fans ostensibly, right? Like that's why we're there. That's why we're asking questions. It's to be that intermediary between the people watching the team, rooting for the team, following the team and the team itself. And so if people are frustrated by what we get in those press conferences, I completely understand that. I also understand Belichick's point of view of, we're not going to give you much. He could just do it in a different way, I think would be the argument. Hey, I, I appreciate the question. There's a lot of reasons why I don't want to necessarily put out there the information that we're getting from our medical staff, but we're on top of it. They are on top of it. We have our expectations, but for obvious reasons, we'll keep those to ourselves you know, and, and leave it at that. You know, I think he just doesn't want to put a lot of times, he doesn't want to put the player in a bad spot. If he says, yeah, you know, we're hoping, you know, for the next month we'll be able to survive without Mac Jones. Well, then if the injury turns into a month and a half or a two month injury, now all of a sudden he's making Mac Jones look bad or look soft because he's not fitting the initial prognosis that we got from Bill Belichick Mm. at the podium. So he wants to avoid that situation at all costs. And, and I don't get bothered by it. Lastly, on non-Mac Jones injury watch, Jacoby Myers, Kyle Duggar, Lawrence Guy, what do we know? Lawrence Guy would be stunned if he even makes the trip. He was not at practice on Friday. He missed the first two days of practice. That looked like a pretty serious shoulder injury that he suffered against the Ravens. That's a tough blow for the Patriots, especially against the team, again, that's sort of struggled in the passing game early this season and has two good running backs of their own and may try to run the hell out of it on Sunday. As far as Jacoby Myers and Kyle Duggar go, both have practiced 
on a limited basis this week. Both were back out on the field on Friday. I spoke to Jacoby Myers earlier this week. He was very optimistic about his chances of playing on Sunday. So that would be a boon for this Patriots offense. As we well know, he's so important in everything they do, not only in critical situations through the air, but on early downs as a blocker. You know, that's the reason it, uh, sorry, Lil Jordan Humphrey mm-hmm. playing as much as he is is because of his ability to block and because their best blocking receiver, Jacoby Myers, has been limited in dealing with that knee injury really since the end of the preseason. But again, he felt optimistic and was available to reporters really all week. And so he's somebody that I would actually lean more toward playing than not this weekend. Bill, thank you very much. We'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you, Brady. Talk to you soon, man. Yeah, the NBC Sports Boston pregame show with Phil Perry and company is on Sunday at noon. So leads you up until the 1 o'clock games and the opening kickoff for the Patriots is 425. Phil and I disagree. I, I know he says, again, you're taking a risk. If you play the way I want the Patriots to play, you're absolutely taking a rest. risk. You could get beat 40 to nothing. You come out, throw it all over the yard, go three and out, throw a pick, pick six, and all of a sudden you're down 21 nothing. You're not coming back from that. I get it. But I don't think the Patriots can win a 14 to 10 game with the Packers. I just don't think it's going to happen. Phil Phil is more connected than I am. He also thinks Mac Jones is not going to play. Also thinks it's not going to be smart for Mac Jones to play. But uh, we'll see what happens officially on Sunday. Full interview with Phil will be available shortly on our Brady Farkas Show podcast channel. That's on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. We'll step aside. We'll get the national news update from CBS. We'll come back quickly and give you the Red Sox lineup, Game 1 against the Toronto Blue Jays, here on the Brady Farkas Show on DEV. This is WDEV, Vermont's news station, owned and operated by the Radio Vermont Group. From the top of Sugarbush, 96.1 FM, WDEV, Warren and Waitsfield. 96.5 W243, Barry. 98.3 W252CU Montpelier, along with our founding station, AM550 WDEV Waterbury Montpelier. Streaming at WDEVradio.com. 91 years of serving Vermont. The friendly pioneer, WDEV.